Section 7 of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon 7. Perseverance. Lent. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. Be not weary in well-doing. There was, at the beginning of the 7th century, a famous bishop of Seville, a great writer whose works have descended to us. His name was Isidore. When he was a boy at school, he was wearied and disgusted with the drudgery of learning. He could not master the principles of grammar and the propositions of Euclid. He despaired of ever getting on at his lessons, and he ran away from school, probably with the intention of becoming a soldier. The sun grew hot, and he became exhausted, so he sat down to rest beside a little spring that gushed over a rock. As he reposed in the shade, he noticed that the continual dropping of the water had worn away a large stone beneath the jet. Then he thought that if the light rain of the spring could scoop out the hard heart of the stone, then assuredly constant learning would at last overcome his natural inaptitude to acquire knowledge. He turned back and reappeared at school, seated himself once more at his desk, and went on at the weary round of duties. The result was that he became a great doctor of the church, and that now, twelve hundred years after his death, his books are still studied. Long after the days of St. Isidora, an apprentice ran away from his master in London. He got as far as Highgate, and there he sat on a milestone. He heard bow-bells chiming, and thought they called him back, bade him turn, and promised that he should become Lord Mayor of London. You all know the story of Richard Whittington. You are often dispirited and downhearted about your schoolwork. It seems so hard and so uninteresting, such tedious, unprofitable drudgery, you feel disposed to give it up. The difficulties are more than you can master. In the British Museum are a great many carved alabaster slabs from Nineveh and stamped bricks from Babylon. They are written over with lines of characters made of little arrowheads turned in all conceivable directions. It looks as if arrowheads had been showered over these bricks and stones, and that, except for their being in lines, their arrangement was haphazard. But it is not so. They are writing." When the slabs and bricks were collected and brought to England, nobody knew what the characters meant, and no one knew in what language the writing was. What could be more impossible a task than to find out the meaning of these strange arrowhead lines? However, patient students set to work, compared and classified, and at last they found out what collection of arrowheads appeared to be verbs, and what to be substantives. Then they tried them with various languages, and at last got the key. Now the writings can be read and interpreted. Is not this wonderful? It is the fruit of patient perseverance. It might have been thought absolutely impossible to read inscriptions in an unknown and dead language, written in unknown characters. But patience and resolution not to be discouraged can work wonders, can do things that appear impossible. There are in your head reason and memory, and both these faculties have to be cultivated. This is why you have to work at mathematics, and to learn so much by heart. Your reason is educated by means of mathematics, so that you may grow up to think, and to think problems out. And you learn by heart a great deal. You learn what may perhaps be of no use to you, but still your memory is being trained. This is a most valuable faculty, and it is one that is very inadequately cultivated among us. Among savage people, the powers of memory are very great indeed, for they are obliged to remember things, whereas we have notebooks, and can dot things down in them, and save ourselves the trouble of sorting them in our heads. 
In India, the sacred books of the Hindus are taught to the Brahmins, and they have to learn them with the greatest nicety, to know every word and stop. It is marvelous how much and how accurately they can remember the minutest particulars. No doubt you feel it very hard to work at your mathematics, and to learn much by heart. But be not discouraged. These are most necessary things for you to do for the education of your minds. Those who have not been taught to think clearly when young are rather troublesome in maturity. They are so confused in their notions, they do not go to the bottom of things, as the saying is. And such as have not had their memories trained to be exact, labor in afterlife under great disadvantages. They remember about events, but do not grasp the particulars, which are exactly what are most needed. They remember that something happened, for instance, but not the day on which it happened. But I will speak no more to you about perseverance in your schoolwork, but of perseverance in other matters. First, let me exhort you never to undertake anything till you have well waited and seen that you can finish it. Then, when you have taken it in hand, as a matter of principle, go through with it to the end. Some people are always beginning things and leaving them incomplete. They want the gift of perseverance. Or they begin a thing well, tire of it, and finish it off roughly and carelessly. I will tell you what their undertakings are like. They are like the image that was seen by Nebuchadnezzar. The head of the image was of fine gold. So is the beginning of the undertaking of a person without much moral resolution and determination to persevere. There is the grandest start made. Everything is to be excellent, splendid, and superfine. The breast and the arms were of silver. Interest begins to slacken. Still the work is good, but not so good as before. It is as inferior as silver is to gold. The belly and the thighs were of brass. Here is still a greater falling off. The legs of iron were still. The feet, part of iron and finishing off with clay. Here indeed is a picture of imperfection, of good intention and bad execution, of grandest beginning and wretched termination. The head gold, the toes clay. Now take care before you undertake anything that it shall not resemble Nebuchadnezzar's image. Make a resolution to carry out to the end whatever you begin, in quality equal to the beginning. Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. It is better to do a little well than a great deal badly. It is better to begin a little matter and finish it than to start a great one and leave it incomplete. If this be good advice in ordinary matters, it is still better advice in your spiritual concerns. In your religious life, as in your worldly life, never attempt more than you feel sure you can go on with. It is much better to begin with the clay, and mount up through the iron and brass to silver, and finish off with gold, than to begin with gold and come down to clay. If you undertake any good work, finish it. But do not undertake one till you have turned over in your mind your capabilities of carrying it out. Nothing is more common than for children to resolve to do this or that good thing, and to leave it undone, forget about it, or tire of it. Far better, I say, never to have made the resolution than not to carry it through. I would not have you aim very high. Find out what you can hit, and try to strike the bull's-eye, but do not make shots at the moon. Many a man has failed in his Christian course, because he has been too ambitious at first. When running for a race, you are warned to run quietly at first, and to quicken speed at the end, and go to the goal with a rush. If you put out your full strength at starting, you soon get out of breath, lag, and probably come in last. The head is gold, and the feet clay.
I have known a good many precocious, pious children, and they have grown languid in their religious professions when youth came on, and have ended in complete indifference and an ungodly life. The head gold, the feet clay. A river always has a small head, and widens as it goes on. A tree begins as a small plant, and increases its bulk and height as it grows. The day begins with a little streak of white, that widens and brightens till the sun arises. So it is in the Christian life. The beginnings are small, the results are great. A river does not stop flowing, nor a tree arrest its growth, nor the day halt in its dawning. So the true Christian life is one of gradual progress, and it is one of progress because the Christian soul is endowed with the grace of perseverance. Without perseverance, it gives up increasing. It ceases from the struggle that attends its growth and comes to naught. The grace of perseverance is, then, a very precious one. It is the continuance of life in your soul. Without it, the good begun in you at baptism will never be perfected. The seed sown in your heart will never bear fruit. The work begun will never be completed. I have seen little chickens that have died in their shells without hatching out. They did not peck vigorously enough, or resolutely enough, at the thin white wall that shuts them from the sun and air. They gave it up as hopeless, the breaking through of the shell, in which they could see no rift, and so they died. There is many a good intention, children, that dies like an unhatched chick. All that is wanted to perfect it is perseverance, a determination to go on in spite of obstacles, to work on in spite of restraint. Persevere in good, and obstacles will give way, and obstructions crack and fall before you, and good resolves will end in living works. Perseverance is a grace, that is, it is a gift of God. As such you must pray for it, pray that you may persevere unto the end, for it is only to such that the crown of life is promised. Pray that he who has begun a good work in you may finish it, it is only he that endures to the end that shall be saved, only he who fights the good fight of faith, and having done all he can, stands on his ground, not driven from it, who will be rewarded as a victor. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he bowed his head and said, It is finished. What was finished? Why, the purpose for which he had come into the world, the redemption of mankind. He went through with it at the cost of bitter agony, shame, and death, at the cost of the scourge, the crown of thorns, the nails, the spear. The work which my Father hath given me, shall I not do it? Take that text as your maxim through life. You have a work set you by your heavenly Father, the work of spreading his glory and making your immortal souls to grow. Pray God to give you his best gift of perseverance, that you may, all through life, continue doing the work of God, both without and within, till death comes and then your perseverance in well-doing will be rewarded with eternal life. My Lord in glory reigning, upon the glassy sea, by angel hosts surrounded is thinking still on me. My heart for joy is dancing, my lamp is burning clear. The bridegroom bids me enter if I but persevere. My Lord a land is ruling, the land of pure delight, whence hate and night are banished, and all is love and light. What though my lot be lowly, what though my way be drear, tis mine, tis mine, that kingdom, if I but persevere. My Lord a home is building, a mansion passing fair, of orient pearl and burnished gold, of jewels, costly, rare. A home where nothing wanteth, 
away with doubt and fear. Tis mine, tis mine, that mansion, if I but persevere. My lord, a crown is binding, of flowers in heaven that blow, of ruby red and turquoise, of flames and flakes of snow. In sorest fight, hard-driven, this thought my heart will cheer. Tis mine, tis mine, that garland, if I but persevere. My lord, a song is teaching the angel choirs on high. They strike their harps and cymbals, and sound the psaltery. A song to greet the wanderer, to heaven's gate drawing near. Tis mine, tis mine, the welcome, if I but persevere. End of section 7